So one time, years ago, I was, I was in a Zumba class. Anybody ever do a Zumba class? It's so fun. It's <laughs> and the, the class I was in, there was a brand new, well, there were some of us that had been in the class for quite a while, but there was a brand new Latin American uh, dance instructor. And he was so sassy and so amazing. He was an amazing dancer. And so he had a new routine for us, and he went through and did the entire routine start to finish flawlessly with grace and elegance and sass. And at the end, he paused and looked at us and said, now you try. <laughs> and we were all going, oh, oh, no, N no. <laughs> Thank you, though. You look great. And we're impressed, but um, no, we can't do whatever that was. <laughs> So he went through and did the whole thing again, thinking that that would help us. He did the whole thing again and was kind of pumping us up, but we just kind of chuckled, like, oh, honey, uh, you're just in a different place than we are. And so when I read Hebrews 11, it's a little bit how I feel. I look like, I, I read it and I think, well, that's great that you can all do that, but... I can't do that. I can't dance like that. Somebody needs to really, really break it down. And so hopefully today uh, we're going to do a little bit of that. Um, you know, the thing is about the Zumba class, I could laugh about it and I could dismiss it and not matter that much to me because I thought, well, so what if I don't get this routine? But with faith in this chapter and as we live our lives, uh, it's more important than that. In fact, this chapter says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, that makes me feel pressure because then I feel like I've got to have faith. But, <clears throat> or maybe it doesn't make you feel pressure. Maybe it feel, makes you feel like, well, no problem. I've got faith. Already got it. You know, case closed. But faith is not a you've got it or you don't virtue. In fact, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. So that means that while God has given us faith and planted that in us, it can be increased and developed and exercised or not. In case you think, well, shoot, man, I've got two left feet. <clears throat> I don't know if I can ever learn this faith dance. And, and the dance idea is, of course, it's not a new idea. Peter's used that, I've heard other preachers use the idea, but it's a perfect idea that goes along with this chapter, the idea of a dance. But I have good news about this for you. The good news is that some dances, like in that Zumba dance, it's an individual dance where you have to learn it and you figure out the steps and you learn it. Um, but other dances um, are dances where you have a partner and with faith, that's exactly what it is. You never dance the faith dance by yourself. In fact, I, I have been a, a dancing wannabe for, for years, so I've taken different classes. I've taken ballroom classes. I've taken swing and two-step and, and always kind of hopeful that, that I'll get good. But <laughs> so far, so far, we're just hanging there right in the middle. <laughs> um, but... 
In my dance experience, I have come across some different dancers that I've happened across who will be my partner for a, a couple dances or something. And it's a partner who really, really knows what they're doing. And because they're so good at it, you know, they just kind of pull me in and they, the way they move and lead, it makes me look good. And I actually find myself kind of following along and it's not even hard. And I think, wow, uh, this, this is amazing. I didn't know I was so good. But of course, it's not me. It's not my ability. It's, it's my partner's ability. And so this gives me hope when the scripture tells us, keep in step with the spirit. Having this partner gives me all, all this hope that it's not, you know, about my dance ability. So I'm going to read through Hebrews 11. I thought of ways that I could potentially break this down, but it's really, it's a whole dance routine. And it really needs to be all done together. And so it's inspiring uh, and it's long. <laughs> so I'm going to read you the whole thing. You can close your eyes, just drink it in. Uh, but this is Hebrews 11. Just so you know, we're going to talk about these as, as we, after we listen to this, we're gonna break this down into some dance steps, but just so you know, it's not steps to faith. It, it's the steps of faith. So you will dance this dance of faith. And you don't have to work to get to this. Um, that's the law, you know. Um, but grace is you have faith in you and you have a partner uh, who will carry you through this dance. But really, all dances, after I danced with those people who were really good, it, it didn't make me wanna just rely and just say, well, you're good, and so I can remain as I am. It motivated me to say, I wanna learn those steps. I wanna learn. I wanna, I wanna grow in this. So, after you, when you leave here, if you're interested in the steps of faith, um, I have a little handout, so you don't even have to write, take notes if you don't want to. But there's a handout as you leave. If you'd like to meditate on those when you leave, you can grab it at the Connect Center. So are you ready for Hebrews 11? It's beautiful. Be ready to be inspired and have your faith strengthened. Take a deep breath. Here it comes. Close your eyes if you'd like. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, 
in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the, king, the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when attempt, they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? 
For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That's the whole chapter. And so have a good day. (laughs) That's a lot, but it all goes together. It's one dance routine, and so I wanted you to feel it. So as we go through here, I thought, I want to dance like that. I want to join in this faith dance. And so how do you break it down into some smaller steps that I could try to keep up with? And so the Lord doesn't give up on us. He doesn't say anybody is a lost cause in this dance. Uh, We will dance with him. And so that's the exciting part. Some of the steps that I notice, the steps of faith um, are subtle. They're more of an attitude than an action. The first step of faith that I notice is that we we can understand that the universe was created by the word of God. And you don't think, well, when I I do that, I'm I'm having faith. Just understanding that that he's got the whole world in his hands. Uh, this, This sets us up by doing that to give weight to God's words. God's word matters. Metaphysically speaking, without God's word, there is no matter. Through him, John tells us, the word, uh, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. It's the word of God. When we understand that, we're having faith. Another step of faith uh, is to offer God the gifts that he wants. When we see Abel's example, Abel offered a gift to God that was acceptable to him. We just finished a class here on spiritual gifts that I really enjoyed, and we got to, Brandy helped me, (laughs) and we got to enjoy finding out what are these gifts that God has given us, and how can we, what kind of a blend, what house blend has he put in, in me? What mix has he, has he created? And how can I use those to honor God? But there's another question. You know, sometimes we can ask, we can wake up and say, Lord, what gift are you going to give me today? Just lay it on. But there's another prayer that might be even better. Lord, what gift could I give you today? What? <clears throat> it's worth pondering. What, does, what gift does God want from me? 
David wrote in, the, in Psalm 51, he says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. So we want to give those gifts to God. Uh, I've, Barry knows that I, I love the, the little drummer boy. And I, it always gets my heart, even though this is a pretend story, uh, but it's, it's just a song about a kid who didn't exist. But every time it says, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give a king. You know, you know what, what can I offer? What gift can I bring? Shall I play for him? And then when Mary nods, I get all excited and my heart gets touched and I think, oh, I have a gift I can give him. And so that's something we can ask the Lord in this faith dance. What gift do you want me to offer you, Lord? Enoch, as we look at his life, it's very interesting. It's a little mysterious because he didn't die. He was just taken up. But it says that somehow while he was living that he pleased God. He walked with God and he pleased God. And it kind of goes with the last step of thinking about, well, what's it take to please God? What offering does he want from me? What's it? I want to seek to please him with my life. And, and I was thinking about years ago when I was exposed to that book, The Five Love Languages. I think the, the premise for that book is really good. The premise for the book, if you remember that, is don't just love somebody the way you want to love them. Find out how they want to be loved. Find out how, how they appreciate being loved. In 1 Thessalonians it says, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. Another dance step that I see in, this, in these verses, it says just believe God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So somehow, these are prerequisites to drawing near to God. And for me, the first one is easy to believe that God exists because I've believed that all my life. Maybe I know some people struggle with that. But the second one, the second part of this is a little harder for me, that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. I guess I think, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he'll actually reward me for seeking him. I don't know if he'll notice. Maybe I'm not important enough. Maybe I'm not seeking him enough. Um, you know that terrible feeling of not enough, which the Lord wants to lift off, to, off of us. Uh, but he, he just says that if you do seek me, he's not trying to hide from us. And he's try, not trying to set the bar high. He's just saying, come to me. And if you do, I'll reward you. In this next passage about Noah, I was noticing one of the steps is kind of obvious. It's obey God's words and warning. I mean, Noah is the poster child for this. He took 50 to 70 years of his life to when he heard God say, build an ark. Okay, it's never rained, and I don't really know what an ark is, but I'll just do that here in my front yard, and I won't bother with all, what all the people are going to say about me. I, you know, they're going to definitely think I'm crazy. So he obeyed the Lord, but he also had an attitude that went along with it. It says that in reverent fear, he constructed an ark. 
So he didn't just obey, he had this, he had a, an attitude. God does, doesn't just want our grudging obedience. He wants our hearts to be, our attitude toward him to be um, respectful. And our attitude toward the world to be, who cares? Who cares what you all think? That's a good thing. If we can live our week like this and just say, Lord, I care what you think. I want to respect and reverence you, but I don't care what everybody else thinks. I mean, that's, that's a great dance step. Now, the next person in the, in the list here, in the long litany of this, is Abraham. And the dance step I saw in him, one of them is when God calls you to go, go even if you don't know where you're going. I'm a planner. I like to have it planned out. I like to have the steps and where I'm going. And, and the people who buy airline tickets and just buy them last minute, where like, I'll just take the first flight out of here wherever it's going. That's really not me. I, I kind of like, hey, let's plan what to pack and where I'm going and what's the itinerary. That's more my speed. But Abraham, it, he didn't do that. He just said, all right, Lord, here I go. And sometimes when God tells us to go, we don't know where, we don't know why. So, but the verses also tell us Abraham's secret to how he could do this with such abandon. Because it says that Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So the reason he could go was because of where he was looking. He was looking ahead to what God was designing and building, and we can do that too. If we look ahead, what is God designing and building for me? Peter recently taught uh, the culmination of Revelation, and I love Revelation 21. I've used that many times in sharing that with some some of the hospice patients I've worked with. And it talks about how at that day it paints this beautiful picture, how at that time, God will make his home with us. He will be their God, and we will be his people. And it, it, like, it's this beautiful picture where I think, ah, that's what I want. And, and part of that, those verses, one of them, it says, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So, this is when God makes good on this promise that Abraham was believing way back then. That's what we have to look forward to. But let's not leave the ladies out here. Um, Sarah also gets a, little, a few props in this. She gets commended as well uh, because she did something very subtle. She had an attitude. Her attitude, it says that she considered him faithful who had promised. And I thought, ooh, that's, that kind of hit me. I thought, am I really considering that God is faithful to keep his promises to me? That's part of the dance routine. I might not say it out loud. I might not say, I don't think God's gonna be faithful to his promises because that sounds too non-Christian-y. Um, but in my heart, I just might think, eh, I don't know. So especially there are certain areas that are precious to me or certain areas that I've waited way too long for. And I think, I don't know, will he really keep his promises? Sarah received power to have a baby when she was 90 years old because she considered God faithful to his promises. 
I need the Lord to continually recalibrate my heart. So that, that's my attitude toward him. Okay, Lord, you're gonna be faithful, not just to the world, but to me. Then the next little paragraph that I see here, I, I've been really fascinated for years, many years with verse 13, when it says these all died. It gives this long list of people, then it says these all died not having received the things promised to them. <laughs> and I think, huh, well, thanks for nothing. Uh, and, and it's easy, it's easy to feel gypped, right? I mean, I've felt gypped before. But these all died and they didn't receive what the, the promise is. But it says, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They saw these promises in the distance somehow. And the way I look at this is the, the dance step that I would say comes out of that is this idea of living with expectancy and vision even when we haven't received promise yet. And it's kind of like looking for signs, looking for glimpses um, of the promises that God will bring. It reminds me of a story about Elijah. I love the prophet Elijah. He's, some of these prophets are just crazy and bold. And Elijah was in the middle of a three-year drought. No water, no rain for three years. And you guys can understand that. I remember here in Colorado, the first time there was a really bad time where we really, really needed rain. There were fires in the mountains. And I remember gathering with some, some people and praying for rain. But imagine three years of no rain. So Elijah, God told Elijah, I'm gonna send rain. But Elijah had to pray about it. So God promised, but then Elijah's part of the dance was, was to climb Mount Carmel and, and pray about it. So he's up there praying and his servant was with him. And he said hey, to his servant, hey, could you run out and look around and see if you see any signs of rain? And so his servant went out and came back and said, nope, nothing. And so um, Elijah's like, no problem, I'm gonna keep praying. Would you go out again? Go look all around, keep looking. So he sent him out, second time, went out again, servant came back, nope, nothing, no signs, still nothing. Elijah sent his servant out seven times. Think about the servant. The servant doesn't get any airtime in the Bible, but think about that servant, how he'd be feeling like, really, Elijah, really? You know, you're sending me out again to look for rain. But the seventh time, the servant came back. Maybe he was making it up, but here's what he said. The servant said, I saw a little cloud just about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And with that little glimpse, Elijah told the king, rain is coming. And sure enough, there was a big downpour and the drought was over. So can I live that way? Can we live that way where we are expectant, where we are looking for signs that God's gonna do what he's promised? Another thing I saw in this chapter that, or in this little chunk of verses here that I think is interesting is um, don't treat the world like your real home, but look forward to the better country city home that God is preparing for us. It says that these people acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So don't treat the world like it's your home. I, I, I saw this lived out in when I was a hospice chaplain and I, I met with a couple and they didn't believe in God and they didn't believe in any kind of afterlife. 
And so because of that, when the husband was dying, he, he decided he wanted to try any kind of medication, any kind of experimental treatment, anything. And he was grasping and clawing for any slim chance just to live one day longer because he thought this world was his only home. But it's not. So when we live that way, we're dancing the dance of faith. The next little passage talking about Abraham and about Isaac and Jacob and Esau and how they lived with their families. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, that, and the step that I think comes out of this is that we need to entrust our loved ones to God and consider that God is able to do miracles. Abraham offered God his precious son Isaac and believed that God would do a miracle if necessary. Isaac and Jacob believed that God would bless their sons. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's easier to trust God with yourself than with the people that you love, the people in your family? You know, if I die, oh well. But if it's somebody, you know, if, if it's somebody that I really love, it's your child, if it's your parent, if it's somebody you really love, it's a lot tougher. I, I've never had kids. The closest thing I have are my sister's children. And uh, my niece, Ellie, I put this in the S News, my niece, Ellie, who's, uh, went on a trip to Peru on a mission trip to a very, very remote village on the Amazon. And before she left, uh, they told her, make sure you zip up your tent so the anacondas and poisonous spiders don't get in there while you're sleeping. So, you know, that, I didn't need to know that. You know, I didn't need to, that, that's, you know, that's scary. So she goes on this thing. I'm praying for her every day, thinking about her all the time. But she's across the world. There's nothing I can do. While she was there, one week ago today, there was an earthquake, 8.0 earthquake. While she was there, she was 30 miles from the epicenter. She awoken, uh, was awakened from sleep. And the whole, the road, the one road that goes to this little village was completely destroyed. So, do you know, so the, the great thing is I saw her yesterday. She got back on Friday and I saw her yesterday. And um, when I heard on Friday that she returned safely, finally, um, I, I sang the doxology. Um, I mean, I, it was... It was hard, but here's the irony. The irony is, you know, he, that here I am preparing a talk on faith, and this is happening to my precious, my precious niece, who is one of the people I love most in the world. So, okay, Kathleen, just keep dancing. That's part of the faith dance, is to entrust the people that we love into God's hands. And... So thank you, Lord, just again, by the way. Um, so another step in this, in this next section about Moses, um, it gives credit to not only Moses but to his parents um, for not being afraid. Um, the idea of, of their lives, that I drew out of their lives, of their, the way they danced, was not to be afraid of powerful people or let their words persuade you to do what's wrong. So Moses' parents were living in a community where they were commanded by Pharaoh to have all baby boys killed. And they dared to refuse, risking their own lives. 
When Moses grew up, he left Egypt a wanted man, but not fearing the king's anger. If there's anyone in your life who's hard for you to stand up, we can borrow Moses' secret. Moses had a secret, it tells us right here. It says the way he could do this was where he was looking. He was looking to the eternal reward. Um, and so the idea, the dance step here is look to the eternal reward rather than temporary wealth and pleasure, even if that means pain, even if that means reproach and mistreatment. Uh, so the way that Moses and their, his parents could not be afraid was that he was looking to the eternal reward. Abraham actually said about God, he said, you are my reward. So, so um, that's the secret to being courageous. The next section is this long section that we read at the end. It's a beautiful climactic piece of this, of this chapter. And it really goes through all these terrible things that people have gone through. Um, triumphant and terrible. They conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. It's very exciting. And after it says that, it says uh, that, they, that they might rise again to a better life. So my, the dance step I would draw out of this would be don't let pain stop you from overcoming and believing God's promise that a better life is coming. It really is. They had to believe this. They had to believe this or they wouldn't have, stuck, they wouldn't have hung on through this. In light of all this extreme opposition, these people didn't give up. And then at the very end, the last few verses give us this picture that someday their faith and our faith will come together to make one completed whole. And that actually there's, they didn't finish, they didn't get everything they were promised because there was, they were waiting for all of us to come together. God was gonna bring it all together into one beautiful whole where it's a symphony of faith, all of us. So maybe some of you are going at this point. Um, Kathleen, didn't you go to seminary and learn that there's supposed to be three points didn't you have way too many steps in here? This is ridiculous. I can't do all those steps. I can't dance that. I can't remember that. But here's some good news. After I was looking at this, I thought, oh, guess what? I think that all these steps could be encompassed into one step. So if you've checked out to this point, you can tune in now for this one final step that really will allow you to do all the other steps. The final step is, well, it has to do with seeing. Seeing beyond, or maybe beyond seeing. I wrestled with that. In fact, my sister Chris and I were debating as we were driving up to see my parents in Breckenridge about which makes more sense, seeing beyond or beyond seeing. Her point was that having faith means that we don't see. Just like this chapter says, it starts out, the very first verse, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And I know in other scripture we're told, walk by faith, not by sight. We're also told, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. But 
This chapter does talk about seeing. There's some kind of paradox there. There's some kind of seeing and not seeing going on here. Verse 27 to me is pivotal. In fact, this is the the final step that I think. Moses, in the New Living Translation, it says that Moses kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Let me say that one more time. Moses kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who's invisible. So if we can keep our eyes on the one who's invisible, then we can do all the other steps. Court Young, some of you know, goes up to Sanctuary Evergreen, and he shed a little bit of light on how we can see something that's invisible. He shared some thoughts from Richard Rohr, who believes that humanity was given three sets of eyes, each building on the last one. The first eye is the eye of flesh, just seeing the material world around us. First eye. Second eye is the eye of reason, where we see things, but it's with some knowledge, knowledge of how, how it works and what it's about. But then the third eye builds on top of that, and it goes even deeper. It's more of an experiential seeing. It's an understanding. It's a connection that involves our heart and our mind and our body. So this third eye is a special way of seeing. In fact, it made me think of the group Third Eye Blind. And I didn't realize what a tragic meaning is behind their band name. But Third Eye Blind, I, I looked this up, it, it, it says to be blind in the third eye is to be deadened in spiritual growth. It means the third eye blinded have lived a life of total focus on empty, finite lusts of the material world instead of on the promises of eternal realms of life hereafter. The third eye blind are apathetic and disbelieving of the spirit. That's precisely the opposite of all these people we were just reading about in Hebrews 11. I don't want to be third eye blind. I want to be third eye seeing. I want to see the one who's invisible. And you know, going back to the whole dancing thing, I've, when I've taken these classes, some of these classes where I do have a partner in ballroom dancing, I'm not supposed to lead. And that's easier said than done. You know, I mean, as a woman, I'm supposed to follow. And I'm also not supposed to look at my feet. I'm supposed to look right into the eyes of my partner. And when I do that, then the dance just comes. It's graceful. The steps fall into place. And so when we come here every week, you might not realize it, but you're using your third eye. Because when you look here at this cross, you're not seeing this cross. Every week when you look at that, you're seeing beyond. You're seeing beyond to what really it really means. You're seeing beyond to the one who's invisible. Um, you're, seeing, you're seeing beyond to what he's done for us. And if you really connect with that in your heart and soul and mind and body, it'll take your breath away. So... Pray with me, would you? Lord, would you capture our vision? Would you be our vision? Would you be our faith? Would you capture our gaze so we are really looking right into the eyes of our partner? 
not just today when we're all together here at church, but help us to dance this way all, <laughs> all week long. And so, uh, Lord, we, we remember what you did to make this dance possible. And we thank you for your body, your blood, your sacrifice, because you were dying to have us join you in this dance. We love you, we remember you. In Christ's name, amen. And so, as you come uh, and dance in this dance of faith, um, receive what Christ offered to us, his body, his blood. The dark cups are wine, the light cups are juice, um, and they are both the life of Christ given for you. Do you know who can really dance? Little kids. Is it just me, or does anybody else enjoy watching Soren and Femke um, in the back with Tim and Tara? Um, that makes me happy. It doesn't matter how the music or the sermon is. When I watch the energy and the joy and the uninhibited expression of just, I'm just dancing, I'm just dancing, um, that, it just makes me happy. And I think God wants us to be dancing with him like that, just like Soren and Femke. And if you, if you went ahead to the next chapter of Hebrews, um, Hebrews 12, I just thought I'd read the whole chapter to you. Um, just kidding, just, just kidding. Just relax, okay? Just relax, I read the whole last chapter. But, but the, first, <laughs> the first couple verses um, are exciting to me. So right after we finish with Hebrews 11, here's how it starts. This is just a, this is a message paraphrase, but I think it captures some excitement. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running or dancing. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So, Lord, I pray over my friends and myself that you would help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, to never lose sight of where we're heading, and that you would shoot adrenaline into our souls so we can dance. Amen. Amen.